Welcome to another edition of the Seed Time Living Podcast. I am Bob Lodick. Hope you're doing well. Hope you're enjoying your drive to work, home from work, maybe walking in the neighborhood. I don't know what you're doing. Hopefully you're doing something fun. Today I'm excited because I had a great conversation with Talit McNeely and Talit and his wife Ty run hisandhermoney.com. They're just all over the place and they're a great couple. I really, really love them. Um, Gotten to know them a little bit and they're just fantastic people. And so we had a really good conversation just chatting about his story. Ty wasn't able to make it to this conversation, so I'm just speaking with Talit, but he gives me kind of the breakdown of their story, and, and essentially the gist of it is they overcame financial infidelity and how they did that, and uh, there are a lot of good lessons here to learn and to take away. So I think even if you do have an awesome marriage where you and your spouse are on exactly the same page financially and there's a lot of clarity and peace there, I still think there's benefit to be gained here. And especially if you and your spouse are ever having any tension with money or anything like that, I think you're really going to find this helpful. So with all that out of the way, let's get to it. All right. Hey, everybody. I have Talent McNeely here, and he's missing his better half, um, Ty, but um, they are a money couple, and they've just been really, really great, and uh, we have a lot of similarities in what we're preaching and what we're communicating. Anyway, I wanted to bring him on, just chat. They have a really fantastic story of kind of what God has done in their finances, and uh, so I just want to chat about that a little bit. Talent, thank you for taking some time to chat with me today, brother. Bob, I am super glad to be here. I've been a fan of your work for a long time, from seed time to Christian PF. So I've just been admiring you and your wife and all that you all have been doing for a very, very long time. So I'm glad to be here. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you so much. So I know a little bit of your story, but a lot of people watching may not. And so will you give me, I don't know, maybe the three to five minute version of where you guys were and then how it progressed and how you got to where you are today. I know that's a ton to kind of squeeze in, but but yeah, (laughs) let's just get started with that. And I'll prod with some questions as I have them. I will surely do my best. So our story started off with my wife and I, before we got married, we were two complete opposites from a personal finance standpoint. Myself, I had bad credit. I had tens and tens and tens and thousands worth of debt. Yeah. And I didn't have much financial literacy whatsoever. My wife was the polar opposite. She had perfect credit. She was completely debt free. She had paid her way through college just by working at a shoe store. And she got a degree (laughs) in finance. She was working for one of the premier financial institutions in all of the world. And we decided to get married. (laughs) And so uh, we fell in love. I asked her to marry me and I told her everything except the fact that I had this mountain of debt. I didn't tell her because I thought, you know, based on her background, her resume, everything that she had accomplished financially, that she would run the other way. And so I hid it and hid it and hid it. And I tried to secretly pay it off before the marriage. And it didn't work because God doesn't want you to build a house on a fractured foundation. You can't build yeah. anything strong on a on a bed of lies. And so he made sure that That's every good. plan of mine did not work. And so <laughs> shortly before we were to walk down the aisle, I mean, like just weeks before I had to confess. And at that point, we didn't even know if we were going to get married. She was super hurt, obviously, because I lied. Yeah. It wasn't so much the money. It was the trust. She yeah. like, can I trust this guy? And uh, we had to do a whole lot of praying and, and seeking the Lord. And 
through that, we found forgiveness and we found the strength to move forward. And as a result, we were able to become debt free within our first year of marriage in regards to consumer debt. And we lived that way for several years. And then um, a little bit over five years ago, we purchased a home and we made up in our mind that we didn't want to be the, in the traditional situation where you're waiting 15 or 30 years to pay off a mortgage, depending on what type of loan you signed up for. Yeah. So we made it up in our mind that, and it was an audacious goal. Uh, we said, we're going to pay our house off in five years. And five years from the day that we closed on the house, we walked into the bank and we made our very last mortgage payment. So we are now 100% debt free after such awesome. a rocky financial start. That's so awesome. I love hearing that. Our story is a little bit similar in that we we ended up getting our house paid off pretty early, very young. And I think it was like, I think it was like three years into the mortgage. And, you know, where I come from, that just doesn't make sense. Like no one does that. That's just so uncommon and rare. But I think, you know, what I've seen from a lot of other testimonies similar to yours, where it's like, you see the thumbprint of God on something like this. You know what I mean? Where... You, you take somebody like, you know, like yourself and like I was not very financially savvy in my uh, previous years as well, doing a lot of dumb things with money. And, and you take somebody like that and then you see like these really cool financial goals kind of being achieved. And it's like, what else but God? You know what I mean? Yes. 100 percent. It, it, it was God. Because like I said, when I confess, we legitimately weren't sure if we were going to get married. She was beyond upset. Yeah. And it was only God that could bring it back together because, he, number one, he's sovereign. And so he knows how this story is supposed to go, because if that if that this marriage never happened, there's literally thousands of people who wouldn't have been impacted through the ministry that we do with his and her money. And so yeah. it had to be God. Yeah, that's cool. All right. So talk to me about because I'm assuming that you run into like I've been blown away by how many uh, marriages have one spouse hiding financial information from another one. And I'm sure you encounter this all the time with people you're talking to. How do you coach, how do you encourage somebody who is doing that, who is hiding financial information from their spouse? Well, we try to get to the root because there's a reason. Um, There's a fear, there's an insecurity, there's a faulty viewpoint. There's something under there. That's just the fruit. Yeah, the, right. the, the hiding of the debt or the extra credit card that your spouse doesn't know about, or you put in shopping bags in the trunk and sneaking stuff into the closet. Like yeah. there's a root there, and you know sometimes it has nothing to do with the spouse. It has to do with your upbringing. It has to do with if you came from a place of lack when you were growing up, and you have this fear. You know, it could be a fear, or it can be a overcompensation for what you did not have. Uh, or what you weren't given when you were growing up. And so we try to just ask questions that kind of peel back the layers to find out where did this paradigm that you currently run your personal finances through come from? And yeah. usually um, once we find the root, because in a lot of instances, if you've been doing a thing so long, it became your new normal that you have no idea how to connect the dots. And a lot of times once the dots are connected, those are the conversations that the spouses need to have, because a lot of times they're having conversations just about what you just bought or this debt or this credit card bill. And you're not dealing with the why behind the what. And so the, just dealing with the what conversations doesn't bring about any fruit. But when you can get to the, the why that's buried down below, 
where the root is, now you can start to have much more productive conversation. You start to see your spouse differently. You start to see when you can see their insecurities, if you really love them, you want to help them come out of it. Yeah. If you see that yeah. this is a weakness, uh, um, you know, you want to help them get stronger. And so it changes the conversation and it puts the focus where it needs to be. Yeah, that's good. So practically speaking, do you have any suggestions just for spouses who maybe need to come clean? And yeah, let's just start with that. Yep. Number one, the devil is a liar. You might be believing like I did. It's it's a better idea to hide because you don't want to hurt them with what you've done. And that's not true. In my mind, literally in my mind, it was if I tell her she's going to run away, I'm going to lose her. And that was the exact opposite of what happened. It brought us closer. We became yeah. a team. There was never one day in our marriage where she said, that's your debt. You figure it out. It was always, this is our debt. This is what we're going to do. This is how we can figure this out. This is how we can overcome it. And we acted and operated as a team. So what the devil wanted me to think was a complete lie. And for a lot of you all, you're believing the same lie. You think that they won't, they'll judge me or they'll look at me wrong or they'll yeah. they'll think this way about who I am as a person when really your spouse is probably crying out for that vulnerability, for that transparency, because what God has put together, let no man uh, tear apart because he put it together and he knew what he was doing when he put you two together. He knew that they had something that you needed and you had something that they needed. And so the, what the devil likes to do is tell us that we're better off in isolation. We're better off figuring this out on our own. And that's the total opposite of what the, the union of marriage was established to be. Yeah, that is so good. That's yeah, I really like that. There's so many areas in life where we have this fear that is planted by the devil that is just completely off, that is holding us back from the very thing that, you know, we ultimately would like. So mm -hmm. what advice do you have for engaged couples or not even necessarily engaged couples, but couples who maybe are at the money maturity of the average engaged couple, which is a lot, you know, a lot mm -hmm. of us, you know, get married and we're still high school maturity with money. What advice do you have for them to have a healthy marriage financially? You know, I'm assuming trust is a big part of this, but uh, yeah, what kind of advice do you have for them? Yeah, we'll go into the conversation with full respect for the other person. Not, don't look for an opportunity to judge them because it's going to be important. If you're gonna, if you're gonna lay a solid financial foundation, both of you need to feel comfortable enough to share strengths and weaknesses. Um, you need yeah. to be transparent in your conversation. So go into it. Both be intentional about being respectful, even if your spouse has a viewpoint that's contrary to yours about money. Just respect them as your spouse, as the person that you want to do life with. Yeah. Then be transparent and lay everything on the line, all debts, all credit cards. You need an actual picture of where you all stand financially. Too many of us are guesstimating. Oh, I have about this much credit card. Oh, I owe about this much on the card. Yeah. Yeah. No, we need exact numbers. You need to call all creditors, get exact balances, get exact monthly payments, get exact interest rates, get exact due dates and get all the information out on the table for both of you all. Pull your credits reports. See where you all stand with credit scores because you cannot create a plan that's solid with half the information or yeah. with estimates of the information. You need solid numbers. So get all your debt balances. Check your credit reports for errors. 
get your credit scores to see where you stand. Now that all the information is there, now let's make a plan of attack. Do you even have a budget? Do you go into the month with a game plan or do you just show up every month and just, you know, kind of figure it out as you go? If you just continue to to do that, you will make no progress. So before you can create a debt playoff plan, before you can create a plan to improve credit, before you can create a plan to invest, you need a plan to manage your money. So if you have not figured out how to operate on a monthly budget, you need to do that. We have a course that teaches that. I know that Seed Time has a bunch of material that teaches you that. In this day and age, ignorance is an option. Ignorance is a choice because you no longer have to be ignorant when it comes to handling money because there's so much information available. So let's figure out a household budget. After we have the ability to do that, now we can create a plan to pay off debt because it's biblical. Number one, the borrower is yeah. slave to the lender, the rich rule over the poor. Um, so we need to address and, and see our debt the way through the lens of scripture. It's akin to slavery, according to Proverbs. And none of us want to be in slavery. So let's start to figure out how or what debt to attack. First, we prefer the snowball method where you pay debts off smallest balance to largest balance. Some people prefer the avalanche method where you pay your debts off according to your interest rate. Personally, I don't care. I just want you to get out of debt. So whatever method you are comfortable with, personal finance is just that. It's personal. So create a plan that fits you all's personality, you all's situation, and start to execute it. So number one, get your management together. That's learning to budget and not just creating the budget, but actually living it out. Two, create the debt payoff plan. How do you want to attack the debts? Whatever way you want to do it, just do it. And three, continue to have ongoing conversations because this this is not going to be, you didn't get to this financial place overnight. You're not going to get to the promised land that you want to get to overnight either. So it's going to take a lot of consistent grace, uh, consistent conversation, consistent respect, because you're not going to just, because you saw this video, have it all figured out at the snap of a finger. You're going to make some missteps along the way. And the best part is that if you all do this together, you're doing it together. You're succeeding together. You're tripping yeah. together. You're helping each other up. And all of that will strengthen your relationship with each other. Yeah, that's good. That's really good. All right. One last question here. I want, I'm curious how, as you being the one who was kind of a financial mess and Ty being the one who kind of had it all figured out, mm-hmm. how did she help you? How did you guys get on the same page where you didn't feel like, you know, where you felt like a team? Because I think so many times in a lot of marriages, you have one person who's good at handling money, the other one's a mess, and the other, the one who's a mess always feels like a failure and they can't live up to the standards of, and there's this kind of divide and disconnect. Like how did she, what did she do well to kind of help that happen? I'm so glad that you asked this question, Bob, because we made a huge mistake when we came together and started to operate as a team. The overall answer to your question is trial and error. (laughs) And so we teach this stuff so that people don't have to make the same mistakes that we made. So number one was she adopted the R mentality. Like I said earlier, it was never you are right. You go you you go figure it out. This this is your thing. You go. Nope, 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 nope. From the beginning, it was our our finances were together. 
our plan of attack was a unified attack. And we've just been holding hands ever since. So she didn't look down on me. She still respected me as the husband, the head of the household. And I was able to feel respected. And not only was I a financial mess, but when we got married, her salary was higher than mine. So all these factors could have had her look down upon me, but she never once did that ever. And um, then the mistake that we made, it sounded like such a great plan when we first did it. I was emerging in my understanding of money. She was a rock star with finances. So we, I said, you know this stuff. Why don't you handle the finances and you just let me know what I need to do, what I can spend, and we'll just go with that. And she was excited about that. She was like, for real? You're going to let me do it? And we went that way. But what was happening, the reason why this was a mistake was we were both building up resentment silently. We weren't sharing it with each other, but we were both building up resentment. Why? Because what ended up happening was because I wasn't playing a part, she was crunching the numbers, figuring out where to cut back so that we can apply money to debt so we can get out of debt faster. And then she would say, this is how much you could spend, you know, as your little play money. And I knew how much I made versus how much she was saying that I could spend. And so I felt like a child being handed an allowance by their mom. Right. For her, she was doing all this work, crunching all these numbers, creating this awesome plan. And all I was doing was complaining about like, this is it. This is all I get. And so she felt that her work was going unappreciated. And so the big problem was, although we were saying we're a team and we both made this choice together, I wasn't in the game. And so we teach it like this. We are from Chicago. And so in the 90s, in Chicago, it was all about the Chicago Bulls and those six championships that they won together. Yeah. And so when I say, uh, who knows who Michael Jordan is? Everybody knows who Michael Jordan is, and they're going to raise their hand. But if I say, who knows who B.J. Armstrong is? Very few people are going to raise their yeah. hand. Yeah. Where B.J. Armstrong was the point guard when Michael Jordan was the shooting guard. And the reason that they were a great team was because they both played their roles well. BJ was the general on the floor. He was distributing the ball or calling the plays. And Michael Jordan was Michael Jordan. And because they both played their roles well, they both became champions. So for us in our situation, I wasn't in even in I wasn't even on the court. I was on the sidelines on the bench waving a towel like, go, go, Ty, go. You got this. And she was playing the game by herself. And so for it to be effective, you both have to be in the game together working. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean that when you hear the word teamwork, it doesn't necessarily mean you do have to work and I do have to work? Because go back to my reference. Michael Jordan wasn't doing half the work and B.J. Armstrong doing half. No way. Michael was doing way more than B.J. But B.J. was in the game and he did what he was asked to do and he did it to his fullest ability. Same thing with Michael. So for us, Ty still is the number cruncher. She's still moving things around and lining things up. But now I'm also taking a look at what she's lined up and I'm giving feedback and she's giving feedback and I'm giving feedback. And then together we say, okay, this is the plan for the month. This is the what we have agreed on. And so now I see I've seen the numbers. I know the plan. So I'm accountable. And now I don't have these questions like, why is this this? Why do I only get this? Why can't we spend money here? I know the deal. And so now that I know the deal and I'm in the game, now we're winning. Yeah, that's so good. I love that. I'm a little bit more like Ty. My wife, mm-hmm. Linda, is a little bit more like you. She brought mm-hmm. some debt to the table, and we had to get it cleaned up. And uh, 
And I just, I see a lot of similarities into how we both kind of progressed through this and learned from some of our mistakes. And mm-hmm. yeah, I think that's just super, super helpful. So anyway, I don't want to take any more of your time. Uh, <laughs> where can people find you guys? I know you're all over YouTube and that's awesome. Uh, but where else can people find you? Everything that you need to know about us is at hisandhermoney.com. All of our podcasts, our videos, our blog posts, our social media, our courses, our books, everything hisandhermoney.com. And no matter what your favorite social media platform is, our handle there is at hisandhermoney. That's impressive. (laughs) I know how difficult that is getting the same thing everywhere. So anyway, I appreciate you taking the time. Thanks for stopping by. Thanks for chatting. Thanks for having me, Bob. This is great. We love seed time. We believe in seed time. We want seed time to continue to flourish and keep up the good work. All right. Well, I hope you found this helpful. We had a good time having this conversation and it was beneficial for me to have this conversation. And yeah, I'd just love to hear what your thoughts are on all that. And also, if you have any other suggestions for podcasts that you would like to hear, let me know over on Twitter or reach out to me over on the website, seedtime.com. Have a great rest of your day. Be blessed and I'll see you next time. Thank you.